Father, great are you, great in power, great in majesty, great in faithfulness, great in royalty and authority, great in perfection and magnificence. God, you are worthy of our praise regardless how we feel, regardless of what's going on. You are worthy of our praise and you created us to do just that. So Father, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray you would continue to be poured out in this place, God. You would continue to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and heart to respond what you would say to your church. Whatever happens this week or has happened in the week past, God, I pray we we would leave that at the foot of your cross, knowing there is freedom, there is life, there is goodness, there is strength and power in the name of Jesus. We rest in that today, God. Rest in you as our refuge. And God, continue to come and speak to us. May we humble ourselves under your word. Let us not be prideful what you would say to us, but God, humble ourselves willingly, eagerly under your word, knowing there is life and freedom and refreshment as we seek you first. Establish this time for your glory. Guard my mouth. Let not one word be uttered, O God, that is not of you. And feed your church faithfully today, we pray. In Jesus' name, church, if you agree, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. The mindset of the church expectancy the mindset of the church expectancy acts chapter 3 verses 1 to 10 loved ones we are carrying on now in our series foundations of the church and reminders we've got this uh, this growing definition that we're committing to memory over the course of this series on what the church actually is. If we're going to know what the foundations are of the church, we have to know what it is that God has designed the church to be and to do. And it is this, you'll see it on the screen. The people of God living on mission for God in the power of God. What is the church? The people of God, not a building, not a place. The people of God living on mission for God in the power of God. And and that last section, living on mission for God in the power of God, this is what, ever since Acts chapter 2 and further on through the book of Acts, is really going to drill down on as we get specific on what this is. And we started in Acts 1, a little bit of a recap of our series so far, with, which was the promise, God's promise to the church, which was the Holy Spirit. Also in Acts chapter 1, we saw the mission of the church, Acts 1.8, to be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all nations. Then we moved into Acts 2, where we saw the power in the church, which is the Holy Spirit. It is not man's power, and we'll see more of that today. It is the Spirit of God at work. Then we saw the message of the church through Peter's sermon of Pentecost, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And last time we looked at the mark of the church, which was the distinction of the church. What is that to be? An uncommon community. An uncommon community. And now today in Acts 3, we look at what the mindset of the church is to be. That we are called to live with 
as the people of God, on mission for God, and in the power of God. And that mindset we are called to have is one of expectation. Expectation. We are reading in Acts 3, 1 to 10. If you do not have a Bible, loved ones, let's put up your hand and one of our ushers will be coming by momentarily to put one in your hand so you can have a copy of God's word to follow along with today. And if you do not have a copy of God's word at home, take that as a gift for you so you can continue to study and seek the Lord on your own time as well. The mindset of the church is to be one of expectation. Okay, so when you hear expectation, uh, you, it can invoke a lot of different meanings or pictures in your mind. So let's get clarity on what expectation actually means. You'll see a definition on the screen. It is the act or state of looking forward or anticipating something. The act or state of looking forward or anticipating something. Some examples this. When, when you've got reservations at a five-star restaurant, there's an anticipation that that's going to be a good meal. There's an expectation that they've earned that five-star ranking. When a new movie comes out, new movie comes out, there's, there's an expectation, there's a heightened anticipation for that. All right? Anticipation for something. And in the church... The anticipation, we are to have the mindset of anticipating Christ's work in and through us, in his time and in his way, both in our individual lives and as we gather in community. We are to anticipate or expect Christ to be at work. And why is this so important? Because here's the truth. You'll see it on the screen. Expectation of Christ's work positions us for faithfulness in Christ's work expectation of Christ's work positions us for faithfulness in Christ's work. If we're not expecting Christ to use the work that he's given us to do for his glory, why would we do it? If we don't think it's going to have an impact when the spirit of God is at work through the people of God, why would you do it? There's no reason. You're just wasting time. And the problem is this. There's increasing numbers of Christians and even entire churches, loved ones, that are living with more unbelief and apathy in the work of Christ instead of expectancy and faith in it. Because that's where a lack of anticipation, lack of expectancy takes you very quickly is unbelief and apathy. Indifference. And the result is initiative for the gospel is replaced by indifference to the gospel. Urgency is replaced with comfort. Conviction is replaced with complacency. And expectancy is replaced with apathy. We must understand this, church. Expectation will determine experience. Expectation determines experience. So this begs the question for us this morning as we launch into this text. If God met you right now at your level of expectation that you have for him to work in and through you this morning, where would he find you? If God met you and me at our level of expectation of his ability to work in and through us this morning, where would he find us? How about in your family this afternoon? as you spend time 
with your kids, as you spend time with your spouse? What's your expectation of God to be at work there? And are we positioning ourselves to be used? How about in your classroom, at school, in the so-called mundane tasks of everyday life? Would you be in the place of expectation to even see a gospel opportunity that God has put in front of you and to embrace the work he wants to do in you? Right in the middle of the mundane. Right in the middle of the routine. Is it just another day? See, here in Acts 3, we see the disciples confronted with this very thing. And we see three fundamental truths we must believe. If we are to see the daily opportunities for the gospel that Christ puts in front of us and faithfully step into them to see his glory through them. Acts chapter 3, 1 to 10. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word as we read it together. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. The lame beggar healed. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Awesome. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's have a seat. Let's have a seat. Can't wait to dive into this. To live with an expectation of Christ's work. The first thing we see is this, church. We must believe that it's never just another moment. We must believe that it's never just another moment. Every moment is an opportunity. Do you believe that this morning in Christ? That every moment is another opportunity. Never just another moment. Look at verses 1 to 5. Now Peter and John going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried. Whom they laid daily. Regular, routine, wrote. This is just what we do. At the gate of the temple. That is called the beautiful gate. To ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at them, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Now, let's get some context. We need context before we do any interpretation, and here it is. Pentecost has just happened, where Christ has given his followers the power of the Holy Spirit. And the early church, loved ones, remember this? Over the last two messages, the early church is booming right now. Like it went from zero to a mega church in a matter of like half a day. Booming. It was at 3,000 and we'll see what happens after this one, how the Lord adds to that. And thousands are being saved as the gospel is preached and the church devotes itself to Christ and to one another in living as an uncommon community. 
But see in verse 1 where it says, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the uh, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. What is the ninth hour? Well, in Jewish tradition, there are three times of prayer. And uh, you used to live in Jerusalem, and so you'd see this all the time. There's three daily times of prayer. One is at 9 a.m., which is the third hour, because the Jewish day starts at 6 a.m. So you've got 9 a.m., third hour of the day, 12 p.m., sixth hour of the day, and then the ninth hour of the day is 3 p.m., Okay, so it's 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and it's not like I'll just pick and choose the one I want to go to. The Jewish people are very devoted to that. Like literally, even today, I'll be in a shop, and it'll hit 3 o'clock, and everything stops. Everyone turns towards Jerusalem and starts to pray. Even today, so devout. This is what they do every single day. And Peter and John, along with the rest of the Christians of the early church, they kept these times each day in keeping with Jewish tradition. They weren't relying on them for salvation. They just kept the times of prayer. They'd go to the temple. And look at verse 2. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Okay, beautiful gate. Okay, let's get a picture. We've got to get our context. You'll see here. So there's the beautiful gate in the old temple. Now, the reason it's called the beautiful gate, it's on the east side of the temple, all right? And you'll see a close-up here, I think, too. We got another one, Alexis? We got another one? There it is. There's a close-up. So you see those doors there. It's called the beautiful gate because it has double 75-foot doors that are, cut, that are absolutely made completely out of Corinthian brass. Whereas the other gates on the temple were just covered with silver and gold. These doors, these east doors, going into the temple, were made out of solid Corinthian brass. Now, who's this man? Who's this man here that's sitting? This guy's sitting literally on, right at the door, on those top of those steps. Just picture this. He's sitting there and has been sitting there for more than 40 years. He's over 40 years old. Acts 4.22 tells us that. We keep reading. He's over 40 years old and he's been lame since birth sitting on that step. He's never walked a step in his life. He's not, hey loved ones, if I could describe him this way, he's not just broke, he's broken. He is humiliated. He's hopeless. He cannot use his legs. He doesn't know what it's like to walk. I'm pretty sure everybody walked in here today. Imagine that, 40 years old, you've never walked a step in your life. And you've sat at that temple begging. How's your hope level? How's your expectancy level at that point? It's been 40 years. What's an alm? Asking for alms to those entering the temple. Verse 2. These were just charitable donations of money and goods that were given to beggars, mostly by those who, want, who were walking into the temple for worship and prayer, and they were giving these alms out to people, mostly to impress God and others with their offering. Think about it. There's no better time to be given alms. I'm going into worship. I'm going into prayer. Maybe God will look a little more favorably on me if I throw this guy a handout. This is what they would do. And they would make a show of giving stuff to beggars. They would get down and give the money in there. They would make sure people were watching. And there's hundreds of people going by who would see this. Earning favor with God. And, and here, the men asked Peter and John 
for alms as they are going into the temple. Yet, notice this, instead of simply tossing some money or some other good into the lap of the man, notice what it says. Seeing Peter and John about to go, verse 3, into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. He gave them, he gave him their undivided attention. So much of us in our culture just says, just give the present, the material present, instead of give a faithful presence into the life of another. Are we seeing the needs around us? In the church and outside of the church. He gives their undivided attention and they ask him to look at him and the man does and gives his attention to them. Keep those gay pics on there, Alexis. Live, your, live in the text, loved ones. Put yourself in, don't miss it. Put yourself in the disciple's shoes. You're walking up those steps. You're going up to the temple and this to pray. And this is just a normal daily routine. This is what we do every day, three times a day even, except on the Sabbath. So we're walking in three times a day, routine. No doubt there are hundreds of noisy people moving towards the temple in a rush so they could get in on time for the afternoon prayer session. Would you think that it would be easier for you to miss how the Lord wanted to work in a fresh way right there in the middle of the routine? Right there in the middle of the quote-unquote mundane Would it be so easy to miss just passing by? Put yourself in the shoes. In the middle of it all, would you see the opportunity right there that is in front of you? See, this is a God-given moment of interruption for you. And the question is, will you see it and will you take it? Will you see it? And will you take it? Are we expecting God to have those opportunities in our day to day? Will we see it and will we take it? At this point, we have a choice to make. Engage the quote-unquote interruption or miss the moment for God-glorifying impact. We must understand this, loved ones. You'll see it on the screen. Where our flesh sees interruptions and obstacles to avoid, God sees investment and opportunities to accept. Where our flesh sees interruptions and obstacles to avoid, God sees investments and opportunities to accept. As Christians, are we concerned with the needs that are in front of us? You know, it hit me in discussion with, at a conference a while ago, often we're willing to go across the sea, but are we willing to go across the hall or across the street? kind of these exotic mission adventures. And hey, there's a place for that. Praise the Lord. The Lord's using that. Praise God. We have some missionaries overseas right now, so cheering them on. Love them. Can't wait to see them in a few weeks. But so often we're like, just send me across the ocean when God's like, no, I'll just send you. Are you willing to go across the hall? Are you willing to go across the street? Are you willing to go across the store to that person who I have ready to receive what I want to give through you? Loved ones, there are people whom God has put around us every day who are crying out for intentional investment into their lives. And this isn't, hey, let's dispel something. This isn't just a, the pastor's got to do it thing. This is what making disciples is. Being a disciple is making disciples. 
This is why we see people trained up and equipped in the church to care as the body continues to grow. It's impossible for me to do that. It's impossible for Josh to do that on our own. We can't do that. And if the expectation is the pastor's got to do everything, you're in for a disappointment. This is why we see people raised up and trained to care for you because it's a body work, not just one person. And nobody wants to invest in them more than Jesus Christ through each of us, loved ones. But do we live with a mindset of expectation for him to give us fresh opportunities to show himself powerful on our behalf in those quote-unquote normal moments, places, and people that we're in and around each day? Do we expect that God's going to use that tomorrow when you've been sitting beside that guy for seven years? Or you've got that prof, or you've got that person in your class that you've seen over and over again. Are, are we seeing the opportunity? And are we, are we willing to step into it? You say, well, how do you know this harvest is ripe? How do you know God wants to do this? John 4, 35, we see it right on the screen. Do you not say, there are yet four months, Jesus says, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest they're white and it's never just another moment so question loved ones who are the people around you that have been laid daily just like this beggar was laid daily who are the people around you that have been laid daily and God is asking you to interrupt your schedule to pursue on his behalf maybe for some of us here it's our spouse to invest in them, give them an affirming word, pray for them, serve them, care for them in the name of Jesus Christ by his power for his glory. This one hit me this week. Maybe it's our, our children that have been laid daily at our feet, teaching them God's word diligently, even when you don't think they're listening or understand. And sometimes it just gets chaotic. But are we investing with expectation that God will use it, teaching them to pray, laughing with them, chilling out with them, investing in them beyond a movie or a toy. I mean, it hit me this week. Why, as parents, why do we so often want to parent kids that don't need parenting? Parenting can be very inconvenient to our schedules. Yes? Why do we so often want to parent kids that don't need parenting? Are we engaging the quote-unquote interruption. What about with our coworkers? What about with our friends, with our neighbors, both Christian and non-Christian? What about people in the church? I was so blessed this week, was talking to one of our Harvest Kids teachers and uh, just affirming him in his role there. And he said, you know, he says, I can't wait to teach. I love it. Just seeing those kids on the floor and proclaiming God's, I just bless me so much. yes. Just bless me so much. And that has to be birth from the Lord. We can't white knuckle that stuff. Because to live with an expectation 
of Christ's work, we must believe that every one of these moments is a God-given opportunity for our transformation more into the image of Christ and for him to sow seed for eternal impact into the life of another. And you, say, you may say this, well, it's just a handshake. What does that mean? It's just a smile. It's just a, a kind word. It's just an affirming word. It's just spending a few moments investing in someone in prayer and saying, I'm, I'm beside you. I'm with you. How can that do anything? There's nothing insignificant, loved ones, when done for the kingdom of heaven. Ever. Ever. Am I expecting that God will use this in his time and in his way for his glory? To live with an expectation of Christ's work, you must believe it's never just another moment. Ever. Every moment is an opportunity And why is every moment an opportunity? Here's why. Because it's never just another name that we represent. It's never just another name that we represent. The power is in the name of Jesus. Amen? The power is in the name of Jesus. Look at verses 6 to 8. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This beggar's in for the shock of his life right here. He's not expecting anything like this. This man was about to receive something, all right, but it was nothing like what he expected it would be. Instead of giving him the silver and gold that he was hoping for, Peter offers him nothing less, get this, than the power and presence of Jesus Christ. Every time you see the name of Jesus Christ, you are invoking the power and presence of Christ. We see this all through the book of Acts as the church is getting established. In the name of Jesus Christ. Here's the reality. He says, I've got nothing that you want here. Materially. I can't meet a need that way. But what I do have, I give to you. I have the name of Jesus Christ. The power of God that is given to me by being his child. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And he reached out. And by God's grace, we'll see in a moment, God fills a longing that that beggar didn't even knew he had. Much more than what would fill his pocket. It filled his heart. It's all Peter had, and it was all that was needed. You say, how do you know? Look at verses 7, 8. We're not going to skip past this. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately... His feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. You know what that that term leaping there in the Greek means? You'll see a picture of it. It means it's a picture of water that is bubbling up or springing up, just like a Imagine this guy. He's sitting here on the step, and all of a sudden, here's this guy. I'm not going to give you what you're asking for, but we have the power of the name of Jesus Christ, and that's going to be enough. Bang! Can you just see this guy? Like, 40 years. Gets up, bubbling up, springs to his feet. It wasn't like, oh, just kind of like, maybe get up there eventually. Springs up. 
beautiful. Recall, loved ones, he's over 40. And up until now has never walked a day in his life. That situation you're in, who says it's too far gone for God not to do a work? Who says that? You say, but I've been going on it for years. Who said? God didn't say that it was too much. God didn't say that he wasn't going to work. Right time, right way. The guy immediately gets up, starts walking, leaping, and praising God. Notice though, notice though, in order for this to happen, Peter had to be willing to take the step of faith to engage it. Peter had to be willing to do this. I mean, I don't know, think about the faith that Peter had to have right here by the power of the Holy Spirit to say to someone, I'm going to put my hand down, and then by faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to be raised up to walk. Like, that's incredible. And that's a gift from the Lord. We can't manufacture that faith. It's not that if I just believe enough, then this is going to... That was given by the Lord. The Lord equipped him for what he was calling him to do. He engaged the opportunity. Okay, live in the text again. What would you be thinking right now if you're Peter? You see this man, you have his attention, you reach down, you grab my... You have the God-given opportunity right in front of you, yet you have nothing to give this man other than the love and power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that is living in you. Question, if you're Peter in that moment, would that be enough for you? I don't have anything else. I got the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And God has called me to engage this task. Is that enough for you? Hey, loved ones, would it be enough for you today? Would it be enough for you today? Today, we so often think that we can't step into what Christ is calling us to because we don't think we're equipped. I can't do that. I don't know enough of the Bible. I haven't memorized the scripture. I, haven't, I don't know enough. What if they ask questions? I don't know. We, we hear this all the time, myself included. We're so quick to think we have to have the right words, the right training. We won't know what to say. We begin to rely on ourselves and our abilities. That's what that shows, a reliance on self instead of the Lord. And we begin to doubt God's ability to work for his glory in and through us in that situation. Hey, loved ones, hear this truth. Hear this truth right now. Doubt will never lead you to a place of greater expectancy for God to work on your behalf. Doubt will never lead you to a place of greater expectancy for God to work on your behalf. It won't take you there. It takes you the opposite direction. Know this, know this. Just a a little phrase that came in the library this week. I was so blessed by it. If God has led you to it, God will see you through it. If God has led you to it, God will see you through it. Where he guides, he will always provide. Every time. Because he's faithful. He's never broken a promise in eternity. He never will. Where God guides, God always provides. I loved how... I was speaking with one of our Harvest Kids volunteers who teaches in, or works in the two to five. And he's like, when I told him, I said, I'd like you to go and harvest kids. And he was just like, man, I don't have that, man. Forget that. I'm going to get destroyed. I said, I'm like, give it a shot. He goes, but I got Jesus. Is that enough? I said, it's enough. And he just loved, and those kids love him. 
He doesn't want to come out now. It's just, where God guides, he provides. But will you and I take a step of faith to see it? Will we see it and expect God to use it? Because here's the reality. In Christ, you have everything you need right there on that screen. You have everything you need to do everything that he's calling you to do right now. Did you know that? Because of Jesus Christ, not your own skill, not your own ability, but because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ inside of you, if you are his child, you have everything you need to do everything he's calling you to right now. You say, but that anxiety is crippling me. That's too much. That's too much. It's not too much for God. It is too much for you on your own. But it is not too much for him. Will we expect as we seek him in humility to say, Lord, I got nothing, but your word is true and I'm pressing into you. Lend your strong support, please. The power, because here's what we have to realize. When you're engaged with that classmate or the Lord opens up an opportunity for you to share your faith, we have to remember this. The power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what changes lives by the power of Christ. You and I don't. We can't. This is why, think, think of this. How freeing is that truth that we just said right there? You and I have no power in ourselves. The power is in the name of Christ. How freeing is that? How emboldening is that? To go up there, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I know the Holy Spirit's going to give me the words. Step in. As Nike said, just do it. Just step in. I don't know where it's going to come out. I don't know what's going to happen. Just step in. Make yourself available. Hey, I'm here. This is why I was so blessed by this reminder this week. Truth is this. 90% everyone's like, how do I be faithful in what God called? 90% of being faithful, church, is showing up with an expectant heart to say, here I am, God. I got nothing. I don't know the New Testament. I don't know how in systematic theology. I don't have a seminary degree, but I, I got Jesus. Here I am. I don't know how I'm going to teach a kid. I don't know how I'm going to get up 6.30 for 7. But hey, I'm here. I got Jesus. I love it. 90% of being faithful is just showing up. Why? Because the power to change a life is not coming from you or me. The power to change a life comes from Christ inside of you. Your and my responsibility, loved ones, is to never transform a life, but it is to engage the life in the power of Christ and let him transform it for his glory. We're not called to transform it. We're called to engage it. Across the street, Down the hall, in the classroom, in your family. Parents, how freeing is this? You and I, we can't change our kids. We can't change their heart. It's not there. If you're anything like me, you're going to go crazy trying to do that. The power to transform a life is in Christ alone. And he uses us as his messengers to say, I'm here. I'm stepping in. Because it's either us or MTV will gladly do that. 
The power, I love how Thomas Walker, author Thomas Walker puts it this way. The power was Christ, but the hand was Peter's. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The power was Christ, but the hand was Peter's. The hand was Peter. Peter made his time and hand available. And Christ did the rest. He made his time and his hand available. Sweet. And Christ did the rest. Peter's reliance was not on himself, but on Christ alone. And that was enough. When we sang that beautiful song this morning, Christ is enough for me, is that true? Whose name are you relying on today? Whose name? You must understand, you'll see this on the screen, reliance on anything but Christ will never lead you to greater expectancy in Christ because your expectation goes to yourself or whatever else it is you're relying on to meet a need that only Christ can fill. So if we start to rely on people, we start to rely on other stuff, we start to rely on experience, we start to rely on goods or material possessions, we're going to be real disappointed because our reliance is to be on Christ as we grow in expectancy with him. So you say, well, how do I increase that? How do, I, how do we grow in expectancy for Christ to work on our behalf in our reliance on him? Here are four ways. Here's a snapshot. Through Jesus Christ. You say, what? Simple. Through Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4. You'll see it on the screen. His divine power, that is Jesus Christ. Notice that? Divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great, not just great, very great promises so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature. I love that. I love that. Expectation for Christ grows through salvation in Christ. By repenting of your sin, recognizing that your sin is what separates you from Christ. Repenting of your sin and saying, Jesus Christ, I'm tired of going my own way. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning towards you. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. And he says, yes. And the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit immediately fills you. Fills you. The moment of salvation. Now that... Through Christ, God has given us all we need to do all he's asking. Through Christ, God's given us all we need to do all he's asking. He's not going to ask you to do something that he's not willing to do in you first. And I love this. You know, there's often, unfortunately, a passage of scripture that gets misquoted quite a bit. It's like, well, God won't give me more than I can handle. Yes, he will. Why? Why? Because if he gave you only what you could handle, you wouldn't need him. He says, he won't give us more than we can handle in him. Don't forget the in him. Because it's his power that's made perfect in our weakness. So of course he's going to give us more than we can handle. I don't know how I'm going to do this again. I don't know how I'm going to get... That's a walk with Christ. 
You know, so often we think going from a place of strength to strength is, oh, I feel all equipped and I feel refreshed and I got like 12 hours of sleep and I'm ready to go. Listen, going from strength to strength in Christ is going from weakness to weakness first. That's the reality. Because that's where his power is made perfect and God is always most glorified when we are most dependent on him. Yes. So how do we grow in expectancy for Christ to work on our behalf through Jesus Christ? And maybe some of you are here today and you're like, I don't have any expectation in my life. You're not a follower of Christ. You're like, I I expect maybe another day, another buck. Like, You know what? Today your expectancy can change and be aligned for eternity. Today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. How do we grow in expectancy? Four ways. Through Jesus Christ. Number two, through his word. Through his word, through scripture. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, you'll see it on the screen. Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, that means you're a follower of Christ, a Christian, born again, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind Don't just seek it, set your mind on it. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Because here's the truth why this is so powerful. The more you truly know Christ, the more you expect Christ. The more you truly know him and you see his work and you see the promises that he's given us and you realize how much he's equipped you to engage what he's calling you to do, the more you know Christ, the more you expect to see Christ. We're not talking about just some head knowledge. Great, if I read the whole Bible, then I'll be all expecting. No, no, no. We're talking about the heart knowledge, believing this in your heart that what God says is true. Set your mind on that and watch your expectancy and for Christ to move and give opportunity and for you to engage it, watch what happens there. Set your mind on things above. Not on the situation, well, I'll be all fearful. Set your mind on things above. How do we grow in expectancy? Through Jesus Christ, through scripture. Number three, through prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. Praying at all times, Paul says, in the spirit. There it is. That's why you need Christ. You don't have the Holy Spirit without Jesus Christ. With all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, Paul says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You know, we so often look at the Apostle Paul and we're like, man, he wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. He's like champion A-lister Christian and here he is struggling with the same thing you and I struggle with, asking for prayer that he would stand up and spread the gospel when he's given the chance. He's asking the same stuff. He's human. That's encouraging to me. I pray it is to you also. He's asking for boldness. He's asking for clarity. Asking for expectancy. Ask loved ones. Ask him. Lord, help me to see you. The opportunity you've given me. And give me the faith to step in. And the courageous clarity to engage it. The boldness to engage it. He will. He will. How do we grow in expectancy for Christ to work on our behalf? Through Jesus Christ, through scripture, through prayer. And here it is, number four, through humble obedience. Through humble obedience. Look at Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my beloved, 
as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear, fear of God, and trembling. For it is God who works in you. Notice this. Be encouraged, loved ones, someone in this room. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God wills to work in you for his good pleasure. Show up. Show up. Trusting that this is true. It's God who works in you. He hasn't left you on your own. See, the truth is a humble heart is an expectant heart. Saying, I can't do this without you. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Humble myself under your time, your way, your opportunities, and I'm going to expect to see you work and step into it in faith by the power of the Spirit. A humble heart is an expectant heart. God will always work through the humble, but will oppose the proud. James 4, 6. Nothing will harden your heart faster and minimize or numb your expectancy for Christ to work than pride will. Than pride. Why? Because you're so focused on yourself and what you're doing and not what God is doing. That's what pride does. It always turns the eyes right here to ourself and takes them off what God is. That's why we've got to set our mind on things above. That's why we have to set them there. Set our minds. Pride will numb expectancy all the time. How often when we come into church, do we, and I gotta fight this, I gotta fight this every week. We think, okay, we've done this for over a year now. We're, we're good in ourselves, we're all this, and we start to get prideful in ourselves, and all of a sudden we lose the expectancy and the apathy of the church sets in. Be like, yeah, we'll get to do this again next week. We don't know that, loved ones. Are we expecting that God can change a life today? That he can change a life of a kid? That he can change one of our lives today? Your family today? Your neighbors today? See, in the routine, in the trial, in the disappointment, in our agenda, our ways of wanting to do things, we can so often miss what God is doing because our eyes come inward on ourselves. Don't let it happen, loved ones. That's where the enemy wants to take you. Just don't let it happen, please. Let's set our mind on things above. Say, God, help me. I'm not there. He will do it. He won't ask you to do it if he's not willing to do it in you. So question, are you living with a mindset of expectancy? A mindset of expectancy. There it is right there. There's four things. If not, what area or areas that God is giving to grow that in you is this being hindered right here? He's promised to grow it through these things. What's being hindered there? Humility, prayer, time in God's word, accepting Christ as your savior. What's hindering that expectancy? To live with an expectation of Christ's work, you must believe, number one, it's never just another moment. Every moment's an opportunity. Number two, it's never just another name. There is power in the name of Jesus. And when we step out in his name, we must believe our final point right here, that it's never just an isolated act. It's never just an isolated act. Faithfulness is multiplied. Faithfulness is multiplied. Look at verses 9 and 10. And all the people saw him, that is the beggar, walking and praising God. 
and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. Imagine the look on their faces right there. They've seen this guy for decades. All of a sudden, this dude's jumping and singing and laughing and worshiping. And they're like, what? Wait a second. There's his mat. Where's he? And he's praising God. Imagine that. And no wonder they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They were filled with awe. Like, what's going on? See, after the man's raised up, all the people who knew this man and had seen him sitting outside the temple in the same brokenness for the last 40 years, they couldn't help but be filled with awe at the power of God in changing a man's life. There is no more faithful witness to Jesus Christ than the testimony of a life that has been radically transformed by him. No question. Hands down. This is who you were. This is who we see now. What has happened? And if that wasn't enough, notice this. This one man, through this one man, God not only displayed his glory to all who recognized the man, right there in that context, but continued, here's the multiplication, but continued to display his glory through Peter's preaching of the gospel that came in response to when this happened. All these people were like, what's going on here? And Peter gets up and he says, it is by faith in the name of Jesus Christ this man is walking. Peter gets up, preaches the gospel, verses 11 to 26, if you don't believe me, it's the next section. And then Acts 4.4 goes on to tell us that as a result, remember it was 3,000 people at first, the church grew to 5,000 men. Not even counting women. Not even counting young adults. Just 5,000 men. Through one act. Through one act. And, and if that wasn't enough, loved ones, still don't believe that faithfulness is multiplied, um, we're reading about it today. And millions of other people around this world, this truth continues to impact our lives. All through one act of God, through one servant of God, who stepped in to be faithful and expected God to work through it. One act. That's awesome. Only God can do that. Faithfulness is multiplied. And so let's bring this home. Let's bring this home. I think of our church, and this is exactly why, loved ones, this is exactly why, loved ones, it is never just another Sunday. It is never just another small group night. It is never just another Sunday. And I love and appreciate our faithful volunteers in the church so much. But I think of this, I was thinking of you guys this week, that child who you teach or that baby that you're holding in the nursery and praying over just may be the next instrument of God who he has chosen to display his glory through to the lost, broken, and hurting generations that will come. And here's the onus, loved ones. They are looking to you and me to be the instrument of God's glory today to see his power, might, and love poured out through you as you intentionally invest in them and as you take your place in being a part of something that is bigger than yourself and your own agenda, this is God's agenda. Eyes off ourselves, eyes on him, gospel impact, setting our mind on things above. I think of our welcome and production team, so thankful for these men and women. 
Maybe it's that next person who's greeted on their way in or the person who will sit in a chair that has been faithfully put out or will hear the next worship song through the sound system that was set up. That person experiencing that, hearing that may just be the next chosen instrument of God to impact the world one person at a time. And you may say this, don't get stuck in this saying, oh, I'm just putting a chair out, it's nothing. Oh, no, 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 loved ones, remember? There is nothing insignificant when it's done for the kingdom of heaven. And faithfulness is always multiplied. Faithfulness is always multiplied. If that truth isn't true, this shouldn't exist. This should not exist if this isn't true. Faithfulness is multiplied. And it is not our job, you'll see it on the screen here, it is not our job to understand how. It's not our job to understand the how. God will use it for his glory, but to walk in faithful expectancy, in obedience, knowing that he will. He promises to. He says, I'm going to build it. I'm going to build my church. It's not our job to understand how. And, and you may, don't, you might not want to try this tomorrow. You get up there and get in your class and be like, in the name of Jesus. Hey, hey, chill. Just a moment, just a moment. It's God's time and it's God's way. Do you understand? All right? The expectation isn't, this is what it's going to look like. The expectation is, God's going to use this. He's called me to it. He'll see me through it and he'll provide for me in it. Done. Let's not put expectations, unhealthy expectations on God and say this is what it's going to look like if God's moving. Really? He'll just blow that out of the water. He says, I'm so much bigger than this. I'm so much more than that. Don't box me in. Just know that I'm going to use it. This is why it's never, ever just another moment. God, hey, loved ones, know this, know this. God never works in isolation. Ever. 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 God did not save you and I so we could keep it to ourselves. We are not called to contain Christ. We are called to proclaim him. We are not saved to keep it to ourselves, but our pride wants to, instead of reflecting God's glory, our pride wants us to absorb it. It's about me. It's about me. Are you reflecting God's glory or absorbing it? Man, I gotta ask myself that all the time. Am I reflecting it or absorbing it. This is why it's never just another moment. Every moment's an opportunity because it's never just another name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And when God works, it's never just an isolated act as he ensures that faithfulness to him is always multiplied through him. Last question, and we close. Who's been laid daily in front of you? God's calling you to engage for his glory. Who's laid daily in front of you in the workplace? Who's laid daily in front of you in your neighborhood? Who's laid daily in this church? Who's laid daily in your family, your children, your spouse, your extended family? Who's laid daily in your classroom students? The question we need to be asking ourselves is this. Am I willing to engage that need, that opportunity, and that life for the glory of Christ? And by his power and with a faithful expectancy of his ability to work on my behalf, so that others may call on his name and live. What is your next step to engage that? Here's the promise as we close. 1 Thessalonians 5. Know this. He who called you is faithful, and he will do it. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that is eternal within it. God, forgive me when I just look at it's another day. It's just another meal. It's just another conversation with a neighbor, with my wife. It's just another Sunday. Father, I thank you for this reminder. I thank you for refreshing us in this truth today. God, I pray we would be stirred right now. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would show us so clear who's been laid daily. What needs are right in front of us that you would call us to step into. To see your glory advanced in the lives of the people around us, in the lives of the next generation, and through your church. I thank you. You're so faithful. You give us all we need for that. And I confess sometimes we can get afraid. I can get afraid. But God, thank you that you promise to give us all we need. Where you guide, you will provide. In Jesus' name, amen.